Welcome to Gateway Community Church, Webster, Texas. We're so glad you found us, and we hope this message helps you discover more about God and His unique plan for your life. Well, it's good to be with you here on this Thanksgiving weekend as we also are moving into the Christmas season. Uh, for those of you who are familiar with what's called the season of Advent, this is the first Sunday of Advent, of uh, which there are four leading up to Christmas, and Christmas is on a Sunday this year. Uh, and, and it's always a fun time as our family gets together uh, during this Christmas season to celebrate the unexpected but good, good, good news of Jesus Christ. And um, I'm, I'm grateful for our family, for our church family. M many of you know a couple of weeks ago I had a treatment for thyroid cancer and it went very well. Uh, I had the minimum dose and recovered, uh, in fact, had no ill effects. And uh, the doctor said, I, I don't have to come back for six months. So I'm very grateful for, for that and praise God. And thank you for your prayers. You know, our church family is in this together. And just as I feel like I have some good news to celebrate at the same time, we mourn uh, a very dear member of our church family, Gordon Stockman, passed away right before Thanksgiving um, up at a family home in, in Dallas this week. Uh, and there will be a service, a celebration of his life this Wednesday here in this room at 3 o'clock. Uh, please be playing, praying for Linda and all the family. Uh, in the midst of all this going through that, we, we lift them up and pray for them. Uh, because that's, again, what we do as the family of God. When I uh, first started working in the real world... Uh, what most of you do, uh, before I felt any calling at all to ministry. My parents gave me one Christmas a, a small handheld tape recorder. Now, for those of you who don't know what tape is, it's this little magnetic tape, and we used to use it before we had digital. And uh, and, and I remember the big tape recorders and then the smaller ones. And this was a small one with what was called a micro cassette. And uh, you may have seen it on eBay or something like that uh, or in, in the uh, um, uh, store someplace uh, where they sell relics. But um, it, was, it was amazing. And, and I, I have to be honest, though, I, I kind of, and maybe you've done something like this, too. I, I opened it up. And, and I just stared at it because I hadn't considered it. I hadn't imagined it. I hadn't it, it, it thought in any way that I needed it or wanted it or had thought about it. Um, my parents, as all of us probably do, we're always, you know, you want to surprise people sometimes with your Christmas presents. You want to figure out something that, that wasn't on their list or something that, you know, they never mentioned, but you think, I bet they could use this. And that's what my parents did. And, and I was grateful, and I could tell it was expensive. And, and, and I knew my parents hoped it was something I could use, but I'm, I'm, honestly, I'm thinking, thinking, what in the world am I going to do with this thing? And I'm smiling, and, oh, this is so good. Thank you so much. How did you know? I mean, I think it's okay to tell a white lie in, in those kind of situations, maybe. Uh, maybe not. But... Um, Anyway, um, and I, some of you have probably done that same thing too. You try to, you want to surprise them. You try to figure out something. You come up with this idea. You're excited about it, 
whether or not the, the, the recipient is or not. So I thanked them. I oohed and awed over it. And, and, and yet I'm still thinking, what in the world am I going to do with this thing? And, and yet, because they had gone to, to all that effort and spent, a, which for them was a good bit of money on me, I, I actually decided, okay, maybe I ought to try using this thing. And, and before long, I discovered it was actually helpful. I mean, especially as I was driving, and I had to do a fair amount of driving in my work around Houston back then to, to make notes about uh, uh, calls and, and, and visits and things like that. And it turned out that their unexpected gift was this great gift. And, and yet, I, I just couldn't imagine it. And I didn't realize how valuable their gift really was until I had it and used it. And I think that's maybe kind of how the Jews first viewed Jesus. They couldn't, they couldn't see exactly what God was giving them because they, they had developed their own preconceptions about what they needed. They, they figured it was certain things that would, that would fit, that would work, that would help them in their life situation. But God, their creator, our creator, could see clearly their real need. And he provided that to them and to us in Jesus. Yes, he was unexpected. Yes, they resisted and rebelled in so many ways. And yet, if they had just thought about it, if, if in their time they had just looked back, they would have seen in their Bible, what we call the Old Testament, that that had always been God's pattern. He has always done the unexpected to fulfill his purposes. 4,000 years ago, 2,000 years before Christ, God promised Abraham a son who would produce more, more offspring than, than grains of sand on this beach or, or the stars in the sky that you could see. And yet Abraham was still in his 90s and this, this had not come to pass. He did not have a son. And suddenly Isaac was born. And today we could look around the world and, and see over 2 billion of his spiritual heirs, Christians. Moses had been in, in personal exile in the wilderness for 40 years when he encountered a burning bush and God called him to lead his people, the Hebrews, to a promised land. And, and Moses had every excuse in the book of why he was the wrong guy, why God shouldn't be talking to him. There's surely somebody better, surely somebody that's more appropriate. And yet God used him to free his people from slavery to the Egyptians. God told the prophet Samuel to go to the house of Jesse and anoint one of his sons as the next king of Israel. And when Samuel arrived, he immediately did what all of us do. He looked around and said, who looks like the king? Well, there's the oldest son, and he's handsome and he's strong. He's the obvious choice. And God said, no, he isn't. And I mean, Samuel then said, well, then it must be the second son. Uh-uh. Third. I mean, he went round, right down the line and finally discovered that it was the youngest son who wasn't even in the house. And it says in 1 Samuel, but the Lord said to Samuel, don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And he chose David, who God would later say was a man after his own heart, whom Scripture would show us became the forerunner 
of the Messiah. God showed his prophet Isaiah a time in the future when Israel would be exiled to Babylon, to modern-day Iraq. And it seemed like a hopeless situation. And yet God assured Isaiah that that was not the end of the story. In Isaiah 43, the Lord says, Do not cling to events of the past or dwell on what happened long ago. Watch for the new thing I'm going to do. It is happening already. You can see it now. I will make a road through the wilderness and give you streams of water there. God promised Isaiah that his people would experience something new. In fact, that they would thrive. And yet it all seemed so unexpected, even impossible. But God assured Isaiah that Isaiah was not seeing the whole picture. God said, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Isaiah had already prophesied about the coming of a child, a son, who seemed to be the fulfillment of all God had been pointing Isaiah toward. In Isaiah 9, it says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Yet God's promise of of a Messiah, an anointed one, a king for the throne of David, who would liberate his people from their enemies, did not come right away. The Jews lived under Babylonian rule, and then under Persian rule, then under Greek rule, and then Roman rule. I mean, you have to think they're asking, where is the freedom? Where is our leader? Where is this king, this Messiah? And increasingly, in, in the, the minds of the Jews, this, this Messiah, as they looked at the world around them, as they were in, enslaved, essentially, to the Romans, they could only imagine a king in the mold of David who would be a warrior king, who would vanquish their enemies, who would liberate their nation, who would set them up as a new kingdom on earth. And it's just what made sense. I mean, it was logical. It's, it's obvious. Foreign occupiers, those were their enemy. And so a Messiah king who could lead heavenly armies to vanquish their foes made sense. But God's ways aren't our ways and while that may not be always what we want to hear, it actually turns out to be great news. God knows what you and I and every person on this planet needs more than we do. And according to his timing, to his purposes, and, and what had to be the most unexpected event in history, God acted by sending his son. Now, of course, we're standing on this side of Christmas. We're standing on this side of it. And so it seems well obvious to us. But if you stood on the other side of Christmas, if you stood as a, a person, as a nation, 
in captivity for hundreds of years. It wasn't obvious. But the Bible says in Galatians, when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. Not to just be subjects, to be children. Who could imagine God sending his own son? Were were we that bad? Or were we that important to God? Did we need saving from the Romans or whatever power was over us? Or did we need saving from sin and death? I mean, it's, it's certainly not obvious. It's not the expected answer. But then he says his ways aren't our ways, that they are, in fact, higher than our ways. Instead of sending another prophet, another wise man, God sent his son, not in all his regal power and might, not the eternal son who had ruled over the universe and was there as a part of creation, but come as one of us as Savior and even model. Paul said in Philippians, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form, not of a king, but of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. This God, I mean, understand, imagine, he's he's not bound by time, he's not bound by space. The, The universe as we know it is a subset of all that he can see, of all that he knows. This God who is everywhere in all places, at all times, chose to be constrained initially to just a few cells in the womb of a teenage girl. Because, as Scripture says, he humbled himself and emptied himself, taking the form of a servant. And so, I mean, who could imagine the Messiah King being born not in a castle, not in a palace, but a stable? Not to royalty, but to a peasant girl and her fiancé. Who could imagine that the, the announcement of the birth of this newborn king didn't first go out to the cultural elites, to the religious leaders, but instead to poor outcast shepherds pulling the night shift in the fields. And the baby's messengers were none other than angels. In the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, 
I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. For those of us that don't know, a manger is nothing but a feed trough. Seems like a strange place for the Son of God, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, to find himself. This was no earthly pomp and circumstance. Though the, the heavens proclaimed his glory through the chorus of angels and a star. But most people, most people went to bed that night and woke up the next morning the way they had done for countless nights before. And nothing seemed different. For many of us, we can go to bed and wake up and nothing seems different. For them, the Romans still ruled. For them, people were still enslaved. For them, hope seemed to be fading. But 30 years later, a teacher named Jesus was baptized and began his ministry, mainly in the outlying areas of Galilee, uh, dozens of miles uh, away from the heart of the Jewish faith in Jerusalem. He wasn't a skilled warrior. He wasn't a strategist. But it soon became clear that there were things about him that were different. Different about him and different about the way he did things. Early in his ministry, he returned to his hometown. He was asked to read scripture. And Luke 4 captures, as he said, the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to Jesus. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind. To set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and he gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to, to say to them, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. A 700-year-old prophecy of the ministry of the Messiah. Could Jesus really be him? Could he be the one? I mean, his, his hometown didn't think so because he didn't fit their mold. He didn't fit their expectations. He didn't look like a king. He didn't look like a Messiah. So the, the, Luke tells us they tried to throw him off a cliff. Even his cousin, John the Baptist, wasn't sure. Because while Jesus did some of the things a Messiah would do, in many ways he didn't fit the mold that everyone expected. The, the methods everyone believed were necessary to free them from what they envisioned was their captivity. Luke 7, it says, when the men came to Jesus, they said, John the Baptist sent us to, to you to ask, are you the one who was to come? Or should we expect someone else? Some followed him, but others abandoned him. Scripture tells us they, they, they didn't think he was. The Jewish leaders first ignored him, then, then they dismissed him, then they grew concerned over them, and, and ultimately sought to have him killed. With trumped-up charges against Jesus, the Son of God, he was beaten, nailed to a cross, and endured the scoffing of those he came to save. 
In Matthew 27, it says, the leading priests, the teachers of the religious law, and the elders also mocked Jesus. He saved others, they scoffed, but he can't save himself. So he is the king of Israel, is he? Let him come down from the cross right now, and we will believe in him. He trusted God, so let God rescue him now if he wants him. For he said, I am the son of God. I mean, it's no wonder. Scripture tells us all the disciples abandoned him. Their Messiah was hanging on a cross. Now, you and I take that for granted. But the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the one you have been looking for for centuries, is he the one dead on a cross? Not exactly the demonstration of of infinite power one might expect from God. And yet, in perhaps the most unexpected thing of all that, that happened, his death became the source for our redemption. Paul wrote, for our sake, he made him, talking about Jesus, to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Isaiah had explained it centuries earlier, but no one understood. He said he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds, we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. We say it, but let's understand it. He took our place. He died our death that, that we might have eternal life, regardless of the powers over the land. For he saved us for an eternal kingdom, not made of hands, that will outlast and outshine all the puny earthly kingdoms we could ever imagine. Uh, quite honestly, we have always thought too small. We, we've, we've seen too little. We've focused on ourselves rather than God and his ultimate eternal plans. It's so unexpected. It's crazy. But it's always been that way because God's ways are not our ways. Paul wrote, the message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction. But we who are being saved know it is the very power of God. It's foolish to the Jews who ask for signs from heaven. It's foolish to the Greeks who seek human wisdom. So when we preach that Christ was crucified, the Jews are offended. And the Gentiles, they just say it's all nonsense. But to those called by God to salvation, both Jews and Gentiles, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. This foolish plan of God is wiser than the wisest human plans, and God's weakness is stronger than the greatest of human strength. And the result of God's plan is something so much greater than you or I could ever imagine, the salvation, the transformation of the world. Yes, the cross may seem foolish to some. But someday that foolishness is going to be revealed to all for the reality of what it is, the wisdom and truth of God. For those of us who have chosen to believe, we already see it that way. But for so many, yet that is not clear. But scriptures tells us 
Therefore, God elevated Christ Jesus to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, not some, not just those committed to him. Every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I mean, maybe it's time to focus on the things that ultimately matter because how we respond now is going to determine whether someday we willingly and gratefully bow and confess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, or if we are forced to, by the infinite power of this God, to do so and suffer eternal consequences. It's easy to get get focused on the typical Christmas activities, the things that everyone does and expects and miss out on what God wants to do. We really aren't, I don't think, so different from the Jews in that we, we always think, we kind of know how God's going to work. We pray because we think God ought to fix it this way. God ought to work it out this way. And we don't allow for the unexpected. And that God can work here and now. That God can work even in you and me. I mean, I never imagined, never, that that I could or would be a pastor. That was not on my list of top 10, top 50, top 100. It was not on a bucket list. It It was crazy. Until that day, out of the blue, that I had a sense of of a calling in my life. And I fought it for months. I expected to be an engineer for the rest of my days. But God did the unexpected. And that's just one time he did it in my life. He's done it over and over again. God has always come in unexpected ways because his goal isn't to fulfill our dreams. Listen. It is not to fulfill our dreams because generally we don't dream big enough or we dream for ourselves. It has always been to let us know he loves us no matter what. That he he wants to make us whole. He wants to heal us. He wants to grow us. He wants to give us purpose today and forever. In fact, it's precisely the unexpected that gets us past our preconceptions and helps us to begin to see God for who he really is and what he wants to do. That that every time he comes and breaks into my world as he did 2,000 years ago and as he did over and over again throughout Scripture, when he comes in and he breaks in in ways that I don't expect... I get to see the true power of God rather than the power of Randy, rather than me trying harder, me doing more. Christmas, guys, Christmas is all about the unexpected. We, we don't see it that way anymore because it's, it's conditioned to us. We, we already know that the, 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 the decorations are going to be out in the stores before the end of September. Maybe even before the end of August. We know about the parties. We know it's going to be stressful sometimes. We we know we got to buy gifts. We know we've got to 
help somebody else figure out what gifts to buy us because heaven help us, they would give us something we didn't want. But I want to tell you something. In the coming weeks, you might just discover God doing something amazing in you if you're watching, if you're, if you're paying attention, if you're willing to consider and respond. We have daily readings that start on December 1st on some bookmarks there as you exit and then cross the lobby that will draw your attention to God. To read each day to say, God, what are you wanting to say to me? What unexpected thing might you want to do in me or through me or even beyond me in these coming days, months, and years? And I guarantee you he will work through you to touch the lives of others if you let him. If you're not afraid, if you're not, well, I couldn't make a difference, or they would laugh at me, or how could I ever help? Serve as a volunteer for Christmas Eve. Invite those around you to our Christmas Eve services. We have invitation cards already, and in a week or so, as we did last year, we're going to provide you CDs that can serve as invitations. They're not in yet but we'll have them soon, and we gave away thousands of them last year for invitations. Why? To do something unexpected, to show people something different. And you have the opportunity to talk with people, to be his witness, to invite, to surprise people, because if he came to you in an unexpected way, if he's come to others in an unexpected way in the past, isn't it just possible he might use you to come into the life of another in an unexpected way? In fact, it's probable. It's more likely than not. And there's even a, a good chance he will use you to go beyond you, to, to leave a legacy that lives on long past you. If you will trust him with your life, if you will trust him with your resources, if you will trust him with your time. And in the insert in your bulletin, we have a place in here for ways that you can serve. Christmas at giving at Gateway. Maybe that's for you, but maybe you do something quiet. Maybe you do something on your own. Maybe you do something that nobody expects. Because it's not about just what we offer. It's about what God lays on your heart. To be somebody unexpected in this season. To be used of God in ways you hadn't even imagined. And honestly, you may not see results. Honestly, you may feel like it was a mistake. But here's the thing I know. This infinite God has never wasted an effort given for him. Even if you or I do not see the results. In fact, I want to suggest to you, you may never see some of the results. But that does not mean that God is not working. When I felt called to ministry, one of the things in the church had me do was to write out my call. 
And you know what I discovered? I thought it dated back to a particular date in January of 1983. But as I sat there and wrote and thought, I started seeing other individuals and other experiences going back years into my childhood where God had been working through individuals. I just didn't know it. I didn't believe it. I didn't understand it. It was so unexpected. And someday somebody may look back and say, you know, that invitation or that, just that kind word that so-and-so gave me opened my heart to what God could do. I want to encourage you, expect the unexpected this Christmas season. Open yourself to it and trust that God will use you to change you and more importantly, change the world. If you're not sure about that, our prayer team will be down here. They'd love to talk with you about that. If you want to go ahead and sign up today to serve during this Christmas season, especially on Christmas Eve, we have folks out there. If you want to pick up cards uh, to give away before we have the CDs, do that. If you pick up the bookmarks to start reading, start working, start positioning yourself for God to use you, to work through you in unexpected ways. And if, again, if you need to talk with our prayer team, come do that. I and some friends will be out here in the in the lobby on this side and we'd love to say hello to you and welcome you especially if you're if you're this is your first time or church family if you've got someone with you including family from out of town we'd love to say hello would you join me as we pray gracious god it's just incredible all that you do i mean i i I don't even think about it until I start looking, until I use that lens of, of, of the unexpected to look at Scripture, to look at my life. And over and over again, I, I start to see how you surprise us, how you, you break into our world in ways we never thought, just as you broke into our world through a baby born in a small town far from the centers of power, far from the centers of royalty, that you emptied yourself and became flesh and blood. It's the most unexpected thing I can imagine. And yet it demonstrates your love for us. Love to work in our lives. Love that wants to break into us to transform us that we might be used by you to transform this world. Father, do the unexpected this Christmas in us. Do the unexpected this Christmas through us. Do the unexpected this Christmas beyond us. For your sake, for your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Go do the unexpected. Visit www.gateway-community.org. Welcome to your journey.